The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. All right. Uh, kind of uh, this morning, this is uh, how I want to start. So let's think about this. Uh, what comes to your mind when you think of Christians? Let's just shout out some words. You don't need to run yet. Okay. Follower. Christ. Holiness. Uh, disciple. Okay. Forgiven. Holy, set apart. Okay. Godly, holiness, godly. Some others? Future. All right. Okay, that's good. All right, now let's think about this word, this phrase. Child of God comes to mind. Okay. Faith. Hope. You know, see, my wife, I heard her, and she thinks I don't pay attention. I, I heard that, that's why I put that up there. Descendant. Is it one E or two? It's two. Could be three. Could be three. <laughs> Keith? Sherry, you need to talk to your husband. Family. I like that. So, what the reason I wanted to kind of begin to have this conversation this morning is, I, th- I think sometimes... Uh, I, don't I, I don't know if these are good words, but a lot of times I think, uh, you know, this tag, kind of Christian is this tag, kind of technical maybe. When you start talking about child of God, it's more relational. I, I don't know about you, but when you think about yourself and you begin to think about this idea as a child of God. Maybe how it's, you kind of think maybe a little bit differently um, because of family, because of intimacy, because of relationship. Christian has all those things, but it just seems like when you use the word, so if I were to ask Keith, if I were to say, Keith, if, you, if I were to ask you, uh, what does it mean to you when, it, when you say, I am a child of God? What are some things that just stir in you? Well, I mean, I think the... Here, we can... Uh, hey, let's, let's do that mic and then... Well, I think somebody said a minute ago about being adopted, you know, as, as a Gentile, myself personally... 
that God's love was so great that he included us as non-Jewish people, obviously. So as a child of God, I know that God is my father, and I know that as my heavenly father is perfect, he will do everything in his power to make sure my life is what he chooses it to be, as well as, well as my eternity. Okay, somebody else? If I were to ask you, Holly, you were to make the statement, I am a child of God, what kind of does that stir in you? Put me on the spot. I did. I didn't raise my hand. I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can give the mic to Aaron if you want. I mean, you know, siblings, I guess, you know, family, you're part of something bigger. Um, okay. And yeah, that we have a father, perfect father. Do, do, am I, I don't know, you know, sometimes I have this way of thinking that is, I'll bring it up and people go, yeah, I don't think like that at all. But the, just this idea when we connect with the idea, because they, they, they are the same thing. I mean, born again, saved, child of God, you know. When you think about it, just same, all the same, but it, child of God to me pulls, I don't know, pulls out of me something that is different. Uh, just thinking about it. Uh, Tony, you want to take it back to him? Uh, I can think about many things, but the one thing that really draws, when, when I hear that word, uh, most importantly, and I think I just lost my thought for some reason, uh, there's, there's actually two things. That's probably what this scramble in my head. Uh, when I think about God, being a child of God, first of all, I think about the obligation, the responsibility that I have as a child of God. Uh, on the other side, that's one side. On the other side, it just brings me closer to him and is telling me, hey, keep your sheen up. Keep your what? Chin. Keep your sheen. Okay. Your sheen. Your sheen, yeah. <laughs> Keep your head up. There you go. <laughs> better? You go. <laughs> okay. Your sheen up. Okay. Keep your head up because you are a, a son of a king. We're like prince and princesses. You're a son or a daughter of a king. So when I think of that, that gives me this hope it drives me to continue my fight, knowing that who I am in him, instead of falling down. And then it takes me to the part because he's telling me to keep my head up, because look who you are. Now, guess what? But you also have the responsibility of carrying that, mm. you know. All right. Okay. Somebody else? Keith? You know, when you just said what you said a minute ago, it's kind of like... As a, if you look at, as Christians in here, we, we compare a Christian to a child of God. But if you think about it, when we talk to non-believers, if you talk about being a Christian, you know, we always convey that Christ died for our sins, right? And you put your faith and trust in Christ and you too can have eternal life. It's like, okay, now you're saved. You're not going to go to hell, right? But as a child of God, if we convey that you can be a child of God, it's not just you're saved and 
you can hang out here. It's you're part of the family. You mm-hmm. come into the family now. And that's something that really just kind of clicked. I mean, it's such a, a, a powerful statement to say to somebody, you can be a child of God. Mm, that's good. Someone else? Aaron? When thinking about the, the title of child of God, I think the first thing that always comes to my mind is like a descendant. Um, when I'm thinking about the word child, but when I looked up the word child, um, something interesting came up. It was uh, not the child familially, like not in a family, but um, talking about the definition of the word child as one who is strongly influenced by another. Uh, and the definition that they, the, the example that they gave was a child of nature, which would be some, somebody who is strongly influenced by nature. Um, so th- thinking about the word child, not as like familial, but like as a title of somebody who is strongly influenced by God. Um, and then of course it's tax season. So I was thinking dependent, right? Cause I've got a lot of dependents. I've got a lot of children. Um, so that kind of came so into my mind. So one time a year you go, all right. <laughs> but that being dependent okay. on God is really. All right. Yeah, you may. Um, so I think of uh, Christian being a representation of who we are and child of God being a relationship. Representation and relationship. Okay, anyone else? So to me, to be a child of God, it gave me, um, it's kind of like, um, how do you call it? Well, I forgot the idea that I have, but I have this scripture verse here. It says, if God is for me, who can be against me? So when I think about being a child of God, it's, I feel protected. I feel like nobody can be against me because God is in it's covering me my covering my back. So that's how I feel when I feel when I hear that phrase, the child and that I am a child of God. Okay. Anyone else? Well last week we left off with um, verses ten and eleven. <clears throat> and so let me just read them. John one, ten and eleven. It says, He was in the world, speaking of Jesus, he was in the world, and through the world and through him, the world, the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Then verse 12 says, yet to all did, who did receive him, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so it's interesting, um, you know, as, as just as we've been going through John, for me, uh, these introductory verses in chapter 1 have just been really pounding on me, uh, that John is being so precise about so many things here. And so for me, when he's saying this, he says, for those who did receive him to those that believed on his name, he's basically, the words are very similar, but I think there's a little bit of a distinction between them. You know, the idea of receiving Jesus means that when Jesus offers himself to you, 
uh, you welcome him into your life for who he is and what he is. And he is God and he is your redeemer. And so to receive him is this idea not simply to acknowledge his claims, but to place your faith in him, to yield uh, to him, to yield your life to him, to walk in devotion. The idea of believing, uh, acknowledging Christ as he's presented through the gospel testimony, it is this, again, the similarities of receiving and accepting, believing and living out. And so, you know, when John is writing, there's a lot that has, had gone on in uh, the New Testament church and in the, and in the Christian church. And he is going, look, I'm sure we could, I didn't even, I didn't even venture to go back to, uh, to collect all the different belief systems were there that were not in line really with the gospel. But John is saying, listen, you need to know that the, his own didn't receive him, but everybody that did receive him to those that did believe on him. This is what he did for them. He gave them the right to become the children of God. And so, it's almost like he's going, you know, just acknowledging Jesus, that's not the same thing. Um, acknowledgement is not about receiving nor believing. It's a mental assent. Okay, yeah, I, I acknowledge Jesus. You run into people all the time say, well, I believe in Jesus, and you go, yeah, there's no way. You have this mental assent, but you do not, you have not entrusted yourself to Jesus. Any thoughts about that? Anyone? Candy, wait for the mic there. I mean, it, it talks in the Bible about the, the demons even acknowledge him and, you know, they're, yeah, they shudder and they're, they're not going to heaven. So there has to be more than just acknowledging, like you said. I mean, it has to be personalized. It has to be a realization that Jesus died for you. And had you been the only person on earth, he would have died for you because you were worth it. Now, do I understand that? No, I do not. I don't understand why God would do that for me, but he did. And I just have to realize that, accept it, turn away from my old life and go forward. Anyone else? Yeah, to me, uh, receiving is a very key word here. You know, it's used in a different context, but uh, receiving means really surrendering. I think that when I hear that we're receiving... And that kind of goes along with what she's saying, is that unless we surrender our life to Jesus, and how many people really do that? And that kind of takes us to being a child of God, because when we think about being a child of God, those who surrender, the, the world goes around saying all the time, oh, we're all children of God. And every time I hear that, I cringe. Because if we were all children of God, then we'll be in heaven. We'll not be on earth. And so it's something that, you know, it's a misconception. And I hear Christian people, people that claim to be Christian, maybe, maybe they are. And maybe they just understand it. The Bible is clear that those who 
receiving in his heart are his children. So receiving it intentionally, when we surrender, we surrender intentionally. That's how we receive. Okay, someone else? Doug? I just think quite simply when we talk about adopted and being a child of God or being part of a family is that there's a situation, many situations where somebody is brought into a family. They're, they're fed, they're sheltered, they're loved, but they don't actually integrate into the family, mm -hmm. right? They don't become a part of the family. They don't become part of the child, right? So there's, so that's where that to Tony's point and the others where you have to, I want to be part of this family. Mm -hmm. I want to join this family. I want mm -hmm. to call him dad and her mom. And these are my brothers and sisters. And this is the way our family lives. This is how we, you know, mm -hmm. this is how we look at life um, from a Christian perspective. Um, specifically is many have been adopted and have not integrated. Uh, I think is a, and, and that's the, that next step, receiving. Not only mm -hmm. believing, but receiving. Okay, that's good. You know, I was, um, go ahead, Darcy. I wanted to piggyback off of that. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. That's good. So I was um, reading in our, in our reading plan, we're in First Timothy chapter 1, I think verse 2 was today, but, uh, or chapter 2, and I'd kind of been reading through there, and yesterday in First Timothy chapter 1 verse 1, I read verse 5, and it, it struck me that, you know, a lot of times uh, as believers, we're trying to help people understand truth. And so sometimes when you're doing that, you got to go, eh, no, that is, that's not true. And you say, this is what is true concerning the scriptures. And, you know, the world around us thinks that we're being condemning, we're being critical, uh, judgmental, you know, whatever that is. But so Paul sends Timothy to Ephesus because there's stuff going on in the church that shouldn't be there. There's stuff that needs to be said. There's just a kind of, he just needs to lay down some truths. And when he goes to do that, he's writing to Timothy, and he says this to say to the church, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. And so I know that sometimes um, it's like when light comes on a darkness, you know, it, it's, it's an irritant. But really the heart that we have is not anything, but it's out of love and out of a good conscience and out of sincere faith because we really want people to know the truth. So I'm thinking about this as we're walking through this. John is being very specific not to those of you that have this mental ascent of who Jesus is, but those that you have received and believed in your life. You've embraced it. You're living this out. You're walking in humility and obedience toward Christ. And he said, and it's almost like, I don't know, this is just me, but it's almost like these qualifiers. 
You know, he's going, oh, whoop. It's like Paul so many times, this is what it means to be John. Hey, if you think that uh, you're a child of God and you hate your brother, you need to think through that. Because how can you hate your brother and love God? Those things don't go together. How can, how can uh, salt water and fresh water flow out of the same spring? That is not what happens. Good fruit and bad fruit, you know. So it says that he gives the right. And I think sometimes we kind of miss this. I think some people use this uh, as a privilege and they use it to an excessive way but, uh, about he gave us the right to become children of God. But this word means power or authority to do something. So it speaks of he gives us this rightful authority. It's used in a court of law a lot, and it's, but it's derived from, but it's derived from. So he gave us authority, but the authority is derived from a competent source. So basically to me, he's saying, look, he gave you this place, this standing, and this standing is that you are his child. When you believe him, when you receive him, you are his child. Don't let anybody tell you anything. The other way, the court document in heaven is stamped, child of God. That's just the way it is. And who stamped it? God stamped it. So we have this competent source, which includes this idea of the authority to do so. So a lot of times that devil, he'll try to say, yeah, I don't, you know, you're not really, I mean, look at your life, you're not, and you can just say, look, I don't really care what you say, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming, I'm in the process God is doing a work in my life, but right now, I'm telling you right now, I am not a sinner. I am a saint. I am a child of God. I am a believer. I am not what I once was. Just stuff that in your pipe and smoke it. And he tries to often, just tries to dissuade you. But I think what we need to realize is who has done what? And it is God who has given us this place to become His child, this privileged place that we have access to God. God who is Father. I love this about, and I've said it so many times, this progressive revelation of of God, you know, that He's Elohim, uh, plural gods, creator gods, He's he is uh, El Shaddai. He is, which means a breasted one, the one that is able to sustain and satisfy. We, he told Abraham that. Then we get into that he is Yahweh. He is the one that causes that which is to exist. You get into he is Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one that provides. He is Jehovah Makedish, our sanctifier. He is Jehovah, our healer. And we get all the way to the New Testament, and I love this. I love this. It's just like Jesus goes, Err! He's Father. He's Father. And when you receive Him, you're child. And that just is, I know that some of us, I know for me, grabbing a hold of that was tricky because just the Father figure that I had. And some of you may be the father figure that you had, and I don't know if it's tricky for you when it talks about God being father because, you know, I had to keep measuring up. And the way my dad responded to me is very different how my father God 
responds to me and the relationship that I have with him. So thinking about this idea that we are born into the family of God. We are born again. This idea of because of what God has done in us, what God has done for us, we have this right that He's given us to become His children. And I think Tony said this, but there is this misconception, common misconception that every person is that is every person born is a child of God. And but that belief it just keeps running contrary to what the scriptures teach. Because the Bible's pretty clear that uh, you know all people are God's creation and that God loves the entire world, but only those who are born again are children of God. I think that from time to time we just really need to get this sinking into our head. That's why I wanted to do this this morning. I think sometimes we really need to let this soak. It would be good just to ponder about being a child and thinking about that. All the, the idea of our dependence on Him, how He provides for us, how He is a protector to us, how we're part of a family in the in the 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 heart that God has. I mean, all of you that are parents, you get your, you know, with your. Ch- I think one of the things that helped me more than anything with this whole thing is when I became a father. I mean, when I was married, that was one thing. I learned more. You know, guys, when you get married, you learn. You don't know anything. Uh, just ask the Holy Spirit, your wife, and she'll give you tell you everything. When you have kids, it just makes a difference because your heart toward them. And so, man, when we get this and we kind of just let it process in our hearts some, the heart of God toward us, I'm his child. Now, if your mom and dad uh, just let you do whatever you want, whenever you want, and don't ever correct you for it, just so you know, that's not how God does things. You know, that's a, that's a flaw in my opinion. That's a flaw on your parents' part. Because we have a responsibility to raise and train our children in the way that they should go. So behold the goodness and severity of God. God's goodness, but God's strict judgment at the same time. So thinking but processing through what, what the heart of a father toward a child. You know, what we were before, distant, separated, children of wrath, walking in disobedience, darkened in our understanding, separated from the life of God. But now we've been given so great a salvation. We have been brought into the family of God. So this idea, though, about uh, he gave us the right to become is I'm not what I was. He brought into existence. To cause to become or cause uh, or to come into being and it signifies it signifies a change of condition, state, or place. I've done this so many times. Here you were. If you put this big sphere of a circle here and a big sphere of a circle here, over here you are in darkness, separated from the life of God. When you receive Jesus, He just plucks you out, so to speak, from there, and He goes, and He places you over here. You're in a different... It's different. How did Paul describe it? He said, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old pass away, and the new comes. It's different. There is a change. There is a shift. 
Your name prior was not written in the Lamb's book of life. Now it's written in the Lamb's book of life. You were a child of disobedience. Now you're not a child of disobedience. You are a child of God. And that it's specific. And, and, and I love it. Because the word that is used, child of God, is this word technon. And, and the word is specific, specifically means to bring forth, to bear children. So you've brought forth seven. That was, you, you did, that's the word. You are a child of God. You have been brought forth from God. You are, it specifically, you are his child. He is your child. She is your child. She was brought forth from you. And so, you know, we need to, it's, it, and it's, it's in relation specifically to who bore them. They're your children. We are his children. And you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's like ABC. We know that. Oh, I think sometimes the simple is so profound when we really ponder on it. Because the reality is, is when your life is in despair, where do you run? You run to the Father. Why do you run to the Father? Because you're His child. And why would a child run to their father? They have some need of some kind that only He can give them. That He can provide for them. And so, you know, let's just keep in mind... Having believed and having received, we are in fact His child. We have been born of God. We have been born again. Whether we can fully grasp it or not, uh, which I think often we struggle with to fully grasp, and we probably will never fully grasp it, but we do in moments and we do in times. And we do it in the moments and times when we meditate about it, when we bring it in front of us to think it through. For me, it builds faith. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, I think, uh, who read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2? Did somebody? Uh, maybe not. Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 9 say this, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom you once lived in the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of your body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, I love that, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. God, why would you love me when I was so against you? He made us alive together with Christ. So by grace, by God's gracious kindness, we have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show us his immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that anyone may boast. Verse 13 goes on to say, So you are those that receive him, those that believe him. He gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13 says, Children born, not of natural descent, 
nor of human decision, nor of the will of man, but of God. I love that. That just the, again, the qualifier. And so let's just kind of think through that. These three negatives and a positive, right? Not of natural sin, not of human decision, not of the will of man, but of God. So the birth of a child of God is not a natural thing. It's not a natural birth. Remember Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus? He's going, scratching his head. He goes, uh, okay, I'm like, how can I get back in my mother's womb? I'm going to be born again. How can, how can all that happen? He's scratching his head. And Jesus said, you don't even understand spiritual things, spiritual truths. It's a spiritual thing. It's being born of the Spirit. There is this, um, before we were spiritually dead, but now through Christ we have been made spiritually alive. So we have this spiritual rebirth. Now, here's something that uh, is worth thinking through a bit. I think, again, I remember when I first became a believer, uh, the church that I was at, they all used the King James Bible, and somebody lovingly gave me one of those. And I read through it, and there were so many words I didn't understand. So somebody came along and said, well, you know, here's this NIV translation. might be a little more helpful. And um, you know me, when I was in school, I had to pass with at least a C average because otherwise I'd really get punished for my dad. So I had a C minus average when I graduated. And I didn't really care much about school, so I didn't learn a lot. So I had a King James Bible because they read from it and he preached from it. Then I had an NIV Bible, so I'd read the verse, I'd read the NIV Bible, still didn't understand. I'd look up the word in the dictionary and go, oh, that's what that means. So this idea that we have been made new is this word regeneration, which just means to make new. But there are two thoughts about this word uh, regeneration. So, renovation. What comes to your mind, Keith, when you think about renovation? Too much work. Too much work. Somebody else got a thought on renovation? Uh, aim, uh, Allie. Uh, uh, uh. Pardon? Enhance the value. Okay. Darcy? Ooh, demolish something and rebuild it. Ouch. Anybody else? Okay, here's a second piece idea that I love. Means to restore. Okay, now, what do you think about when you think about that? Okay, to make it better. Restore to me is like bringing something back to the way it originally was supposed to be. Restore, bringing something back to the condition that it's supposed to be. Um, you want to run the mic back? Yeah, I can talk loud. You can talk loud? You know, I don't, I, I'm not dismissing that. You go right ahead, Suzanne. There was value to it. You're going to put the value back in it. Anybody else? Um, uh, Holly. Your son's getting a mic. Can you talk loud too? 
Uh, Doug said yes, our kids are smiling, they know better than to nod. <laughs> Thoughts? There's a lot of that going on today. It's worth the restoration. Some things are not. Some things are not. So, that's good. Some things that just burn to the ground and you don't need them. That's the renovation. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Replacing the old with something that's a new version of. Okay. Keith? It's worth it, and somebody's willing to do the work for it. Those are all good thoughts, you know. I mean, sometimes I think thinking through stuff. So sometimes it's no like when you're reading; it's not like you got to get through uh, the whole book of James and you're sit down. Otherwise, it was wasn't worth it. Sometimes it's I catch myself just finding phrases, processing those simple phrases because I think that there's when we think about this uh, give the right to become the child of God for those who believe in his name this idea of being born again uh, coming into the family of God it is definitely there's definitely change going on in your life renovation there's definitely change but the change is to bring you to this place that God had intended all along that you have, we know from the fall, man missed. And God, I love this about God. He has every intention on doing this restoration in our life. Uh, Tony? <laughs> when I think about uh, re renovation and restoration, the key is to really open our hearts to renovation restoration because when we think about regeneration, the regeneration of being born again happens because the Holy Spirit has been working on us and we get to that point where we open our hearts to receiving Christ. So the renovation and restoration without an open heart is not going to happen. And as we are restored by God, of course, which is sanctification process, we still have to open our hearts to Him. And just uh, allow him to control us. But I don't want to go deeper than that, but that's what I want to. That's what I think about. We can't just be restored on our own. Go ahead, Keith. You know, it's kind of a side note, too, as I always thought, you know, obviously this is God's plan A, right? There is no plan B. But I thought, and I've talked to this before in a life group, and it's kind of hard to explain in a couple of seconds, but. I think because of the fact that man fell and Christ sent his son to die for us and now we have a redeemer and a savior and a Lord, I think it makes how we look at God that much greater than if we would have never felt, never had a fall. Does that make sense? You know what I'm trying to say? Because what God did for us, his love is amplified so much greater, you know, I think. Because, you know, you look at family members, you look at people who who live their lives, they do a good job, and that's awesome, and that's what we want. Then you look at family members who have a lot of problems, and they fall, and then they come back through repentance and love and grow back into it. It's like that extra notch of love, if that makes sense. Kind of like he that has forgiven much, loveth much. Yes, exactly. So, 
we're born, we are children not of a natural descent and not of human decision. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, but after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, this word right here, and the renewing, this restoration back to this life and a relationship that God has intended, which is done through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Okay, so you might be, not have been saved real long, and you are trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you're trying to muster whatever you need to muster to become whatever you need to become. What we need to understand is um, stop doing that and start doing, okay, Spirit of God lives inside of me, so I'm going to start calling to and asking for help so that I may become what God is asking me to become, so that he might help me, so that he might enable me. Instead of you um, stumbling over something and then stumbling over something and then stumbling over something and go, oh, I'm worthless, I'm no good. No, we should be going every time. We should be repenting and asking God, for grace, we should be asking God for help. Because why? Because we're His children. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in your life. Because He truly has broken the power of sin in your life. And He has every intention and He wants to bring us to this place. He wants to bring this change in our lives so that we can become as He intended us to become. That's His heart toward us. So we should be asking God we should be asking God for our life what He wants for in our life. See, we are praying according to the will of God. We are asking according to the will of God. We're not asking anything different. And, but we, we go, no, uh-uh. If you're a parent, you go, hey, three, time, three strikes, you're out. God's going, yeah, no, I don't work like that. Uh, but if you think you're going to keep getting away with it and not have any consequences, that's another thing too. But you need to know even in that, that a loving father disciplines his son. So don't let that dissuade you. Your child, his heart is towards you as every intention of bringing you to the place that you have intended to be. I love it. It says he, it goes on to say in Titus at verse 6, it says, which he shed on us, I think it's a King James, shed on us abundantly through Christ. And that word means he poured out. I think in Romans 5 says that, that he poured his love upon us, or trying to remember exactly how it is, but he poured it abundantly. So it's not like God's going, he's just eking on the, you know, the faucet. It's like, there you go, that's what he's done. He's really poured that out for us, for us to be able to receive that. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, we already know uh, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness exceeding great and precious promises so that we can be partakers of this father-child relationship. So we can be takers of his divine nature. So that we can be partakers and have this relationship as his children, as a family of God. And the deal is, is that, you know, hey, we can't take credit for that. Let's see, I'll skip all that. Uh, let me just, this last thought here. And nor, he goes on to say, nor was it of the will of man. In other words, it wasn't your decision. 
Think about it. John chapter 6, verse 44 says this. It says, no man can come unto the Father unless he draw him. So for us, we have to understand that we didn't wake up one day and make a decision to follow Jesus. There was something going on way before that. There was this pull or nudge or whatever you want to call it. Before December 3rd, 1978, if you'd have told me I would have been a Christian, I would have probably been stoned and I probably would have laughed in your face and ridiculed you. And But what God did is He drew me. I, I don't know about you, but I am overwhelmed with the thought. I can't process it in my head nor my heart that God reached to me. And the reason is because all I had up to that point was human experience. Who would? You know, somewhere along the line, somebody, you come to somebody, they punch you, 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 pretty soon you're not going to go. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to bring us to himself. It's different. I didn't have a good example back then. And so for, for me to wrap my head around the heart of God toward me to draw me to himself. So this is... not been brought about by dissent, nor by desire, nor by human power, by human power, but of God. That, that, to me, I don't know about you, but I just, that's like, a, that's like a, an excla- huge exclamation point that John is just going, Phew. it's God. This is a God thing. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, you can come up. I don't know about you, but for me, I need to think about that often. I need to keep that in front of me all the time. Because it really helps me. It helps me in letting go. It helps me in becoming. It helps me in every area of my life to think that this is a God thing. God did this. He loved you to this extent that He gave His Son. You. He gave you His Son. Out of all everyone, it was open, but He drew you. What a privilege. What what an honor to be called God's child. Amen? Why don't you stand?